was a little song I wrote. Might wanna sing it note for note, but don't worry. Be happy, hey. <laughs> In every life we have some trouble, but when you worry, you make it double. Oh, you didn't sing it. Uh, be happy, don't worry. Be happy. Ain't got no place to lay your head Somebody came and took your bed But don't worry Be happy Hey This is my favorite line The landlord said your rent is late He might have to litigate But don't worry <laughs> Yeah Be happy <laughs> It's so fun. That song was written by Bobby McFerrin in 1988. It was released. That song is older than half of you in this room. And so I just told my age. I was about 11 years old when that song came out. And I remember it just made me feel so good. It was the first song to hit the Billboard 100 that was completely a cappella. There's no instruments. It's all voices. And to me, that's a big deal because I'm a singer. Um, what Bobby McFerrin didn't realize at the time, which I don't believe he was a believer then, he is now, he's now a 71-year-old man following Jesus, um, but I don't believe that he realized that the message in his song was something that Jesus had preached at the Sermon on the Mount more than 2,000 years before that song came out. And the main message of Jesus' sermon in Matthew chapter 6 is don't worry, do not be anxious. Interesting thing about this song is years later, there became um, some scrutiny surrounding it because people started to feel depressed when they listened to it. They started feeling depressed because they didn't know how not to worry. And tonight, we're going to talk about how do we not worry. We continue our series in spiritual battles, like Charles said on the topic, anxiety or worry. Some of us feel anxious or worried just hearing the words anxiety and worry, <laughs> but don't worry. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is here. He's going to help us tonight. God's got this. Look at somebody close and tell them, God's got this. Tell it to somebody else, God's got this. Don't worry. <laughs> Let's turn our click in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read verses 25 through 34. I'm reading out of the ESV. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. This is Jesus talking. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet... Your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory 
was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all, somebody say all. And all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, verse 34, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your authority. We thank you for your peace. We thank you, God, that we don't have to live a life on our own, but that we follow the one who created us. Tonight, I pray, God, that you would bring your peace into this space. Fill us, God, with your peace. Fill us, God, with your goodness. Remind us, Lord Jesus, of who we are in you. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Anxiety, worry, fear, and panic, they're all cousins who grew up like siblings. They have a strong bond, and with or without an invitation, they will show up unannounced, looking for a way to gain access into your house, into my house, into your mind, into my mind. Anxiety has been around for centuries, working the same old plot and plan to take down anyone and anything that will let it in. If you're like me, I've had times in the past when I might have felt a symptom in my body, so I ran to the internet to consult Dr. Google. And before I knew it, I was dying of a terminal illness. I confess that I've wondered a time or two when my kids were teenagers and they started sleeping in on Saturdays till 1 and 2 p.m. Did they make it through the night? Are they alive? Here and there, when my husband comes home later than I expect him to. I've battled thoughts that maybe he was in a car accident as I pick up the phone to call him. I'm not making light of any of these things because that type of stuff happens, but why do my thoughts run to the most dire situation every time? I've come to learn that irrational thoughts happen when anxiety and worry outweigh God's providence in my life. Now, I want to say right up front that the kind of anxiety we're talking about tonight, it doesn't include a mental health diagnosis that may require medication. Tonight, we're talking about the spiritual battle against the kind of anxiety that is common to every single one of us in this room. In this passage, Jesus gives a command, do not be anxious three times. In verse 25, in verse 31, in verse 34, he says, do not be anxious. Now, the word anxious is synonymous with worry. 
It can be interchanged. Some, some versions say, do not worry. Some versions say, do not be anxious. But when Jesus says, do not about anything, he's not making a good suggestion. He's not giving a piece of advice. He's not telling us a nice commentary or even giving us an encouraging word. He's giving us a command that he expects us to obey. Jesus isn't telling us, don't ever be concerned about your problems. We all have problems. He's saying that the problem shouldn't control you. That the problem shouldn't control your thoughts. That the problem shouldn't control your decisions. The problem shouldn't control your mood. So just don't be anxious. That's it. (laughs) It's so easy, right? It's just so easy. Tonight, we're going to talk about how to obey this command that Jesus has given us and ultimately how to fight the spiritual battle against anxiety and worry. We are about to overtake what has been overtaking us. Look at somebody in the eyes and tell them, you're about to overtake what's been overtaking you. Tell somebody else, you're about to overtake the thing that's been overtaking you. Hallelujah. Now, if there's one thing that you haven't learned yet about me is I'm a fighter. I fight for the underdog. I don't like bullies and I don't like the enemy. And so tonight, if he's bullying you, we're about to knock him out because Jesus is in the room and the Holy Spirit is no match for any, for any foe. Amen. All right. So First things first in our spiritual battle against anxiety, we must decide ahead of time which master we will serve. That is my point number one. We must decide in advance which master we will serve. In Matthew 6 verse 25, Jesus begins with a therefore. And in order to understand the therefore, we must figure out what it's there for. So let's back up to the previous verse, 24. Jesus says to his disciples with the crowd on looking on this mountain, at the foot of this mountain, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And he goes on to say, you can't serve God and mammon. The word anxiety and worry here literally means to be torn in two, to be torn between two things. Jesus is saying, if you're divided, torn, or double-minded, you can't possibly serve me because you're in the middle of two things. Your attention is split. How is my attention split? How is my attention split? I love Jesus. Anybody love Jesus in the room? How is my attention split? Well... I want what I want, and at the same time, I want the benefits of obedience, double-minded. I want to keep all of my paycheck to myself, but I still pray for Jesus to rebuke the devourer from my bank account, double-minded. I want to keep all of that paycheck. I really want to keep it to myself. Nobody's amening on that. I want to be married and have all of its God-given benefits, but I also want to entertain the romantic attention of another person because it makes me feel good. I'm double-minded. I really want to be present with my kids, 
I want them to know that I'm here and I want to hear what they have to say. I'm available to them, but I'm just so attached to this phone. I really want to know what IG has to say. I'm double-minded. I really do love God. I, I really do. I love him, but I refuse to confess my secret addiction to illicit images on the internet. I refuse to confess my secret addiction to self-pleasure. I refuse to confess my secret addiction to alcohol. You fill in the blank, double-minded. God is saying, if you want my kingdom protection, my kingdom blessing, my kingdom benefits, and my kingdom covering, you have to do things my way. You must hate what I hate and love what I love, and I must come first in your life. So Jesus has to be boss. He has to be Lord. He has to be king. He must be our master, and our attention must be first and foremost stayed on him. We have to decide that ahead of time, before the anxiety shows up, which master we'll serve. I'm team Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm team Jesus. If you're team Jesus, lift a hand and say, I'm team Jesus. <laughs> we have to decide in advance. When the, I'm going to give you guys this for free. It's not in my notes, but I remember talking to a young lady one time. And she was asking me, how do I overcome lust? Like, I just keep falling and I keep finding myself in situations where I am falling and my flesh is just, you know, controlling me. And I'm like, well, you have to decide ahead of time that you're not going to put yourself in situations that allow you to fall because that's your safeguard. We have to decide ahead of time that I'm serving Jesus. That's my decision. Once we've decided we'll serve Jesus with a singular focus and that he's going to be our master, then it's time to always trust God. Not sometimes, not when you want to, not when you feel like it, but always trust God. He cannot be a backup plan when the thing we try our own way doesn't work out. He cannot be second. We have to always trust God. In this passage, Jesus is saying, if your life is just about the next meal you're going to eat, you're living way beneath your privilege. I've given you abundant life, salvation, and freedom. I adopted you and gave you my name. I set your feet on my rock. And all you can think about is where your next meal is coming from? Wake up. Look at the things that you do have. Stop looking at the things that you don't. Jesus says, take a trip outside and go bird watching. See how they don't reap or sow. They don't spin. They don't toil. They don't have savings accounts or retirement accounts. They inherently know that if they are alive, there is going to be provision for them. As long as they can dig, they will find worms. Now, Jesus isn't saying that we're not supposed to meal prep or plan for the future. But he's saying we're not supposed to worry or be anxious about it. I watch... A lot of nature shows these days, thanks to my country husband. It's funny how I've never heard, maybe you have, but I've never heard of a bird having a tension headache. I've never heard of a bird having an ulcer or a panic attack from stress. They trust their creator to provide for them. When they wake up in the morning, 
they just go find the worms. They don't have to worry if the worm is going to be there. They have to work to find it, but they don't have to worry about it. When I wake up every morning, I should be ready to go to work. But I'm not worried about God providing for me. His provision is a part of my kingdom inheritance and yours too. You know, God never orders something that he can't pay for. (laughs) The Bible says that he orders our steps in his word. So if he orders our steps, then he has made provision for every step you'll take. Every single one of them. From the day you're born until they tag your toe, he is with you. He's made provision for you. We've got to trust God always. Jesus continues, and you're worried about what you're going to wear, <laughs> but you're not even thankful that you have a body to put clothes on. You're, not, you're worried about what you're going to wear, but you're not thankful that you're healthy and that you're alive, you're actually breathing. Is your body dependent on clothing to live? No. He's saying, look at me. I got you. You're alive. Be happy. Don't worry. It's all good. Then pointing to a nearby field, Jesus tells his disciples to consider for a moment the lilies of the field. In that part of the world, these are called poppy flowers and they look like this. I imagine he's, he's at the Sermon on the Mount and he points to a field far off and he says, consider the lilies of the field. They don't spin. They don't work for themselves. They don't do anything to make themselves bloom. They can't make clothing for themselves. They don't work. They don't toil. They just, they just be. They just... B, they're gone quicker than tulips. They show up one day, and within days, they're gone. Jesus says, they show up today, and they're gone tomorrow. How much more will I care for you? (laughs) If he dresses the lilies with beauty and splendor, how much more will he clothe you? How much more if he watches over? Every sparrow, how much more will he love you? Makes the song take on a different meaning, doesn't it? Jesus is teaching us that there is no reason to be anxious and worry when he is in control. He's saying, trust me, son. Trust me, daughter. I got you. I'm not in control. Jesus is in control. You're not in control. Jesus is in control. Even if you feel like you're in control, it's a lie. Because Jesus is the one who controls all things. We have to trust him in everything. I want to suggest that when temptation to be anxious shows up, it's an opportunity to trust God again. And tomorrow when worry shows up, it will be an opportunity for you to trust God again. And when the temptation to worry comes knocking at our door, it's a reminder to pray again. And when fear assaults you, it's an opportunity to grow in faith again. Faith and trust, these things, they're like a muscle. The 
more you work it, the stronger it gets. It's time for us to get in the gym and work our trust. It's time for us to start lifting some faith. In Philippians 4, 6 through 8, Paul reminds us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to your God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard will guard your heart, will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. And verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about those things. Replace the negativity and the fear and the panic and the worry with all the things that he just described. The next time worry or panic or fear shows up, you go to Philippians 4, chapter 6 through 8, and read it five times. And then start praying. And see if it won't leave you. Thank you, Jesus. In every situation, not some, in every single situation. If we want the peace of God to rule and reign in our hearts, to guard our minds, we have to resist temptation to be anxious, and we have to pray. We have to pray. And when it shows up, I want you to hear my words today. This is an opportunity for you to pray. This is an opportunity for you to grow in faith. This is an opportunity for you to grow in trust. That's what I have to tell myself. Will it be hard work at first? 100%. Will it work? Yep. It'll work if you work it. Nothing that God promises to us can ever return void unless... We choose not to obey. So if you obey, it will work every single time. Some of you may have heard me talk about my personal battle against anxiety, worry, and irrational fear. Unless you think I'm up here just being so strong and so powerful, I've walked through some things that have taught me how to, to be great on the other side because going in and being in is hard. In the weeks after Taya was born, it was really, really bad. I thought I wouldn't be able to be a good mom. Like, I literally, my baby is an infant, and I'm like, I'm, I'm crying as I'm putting her to sleep. I'm not going to be able to be a good mom. I'm just, she's going to be so messed up. She's not going to, she's not going to have what she needs. What if I can't, what if I don't know the alphabet to teach her? What if... What if kindergarten comes and I forget to, how to drive a car and I can't take her to her first day of kindergarten, then she won't go be able to go to school? What if she asks me a question when she's five years old and I just don't know the answer because I'm just, what? One day, God was like, hey girl, <laughs> you were a single mom for 17 years and I gave you everything you needed to be a great mom. Now you're married and you only have one. <laughs> I think I can help you handle this. By the way, Katea graduates kindergarten on Monday. 
my baby girl. And I drove her to school her first day, okay? After that, I started to have this random series of symptoms show up in my body over like several months, almost a year of time. I was at the doctor like every other week. I had every test known to, I had an echocardiogram, a mammogram, a CT scan, every kind of blood work, cancer screenings, all the tests, everything. And still no answers. And the doctor would come and say, there's nothing wrong with you. I'm like, there's something wrong with me. There's really is, I'm telling you. And she's like, there's nothing wrong with you. I'm like, no, do another test. There's something wrong. This is like, almost like, like, find out what's wrong. There's something wrong. I was in the doctor's office one day getting the results of the most recent test I asked her to do. And she looked at me and she said, Tiffany, could you be dealing with anxiety? And I was shocked. I was like, no, I work for a church. (laughs) No way possible. Then I was like, wait, could I be? She said, we've given you every test possible. We've done all the blood work. We've, she's like, I, I got to tell you, the blood doesn't lie. Oosh, make me want to pray. Duh. Sitting in that doctor's office, something inside me shifted. It had a natural meaning to her, but I heard God say, my blood doesn't lie. I shed my blood so you wouldn't have to suffer from anxiety. By my stripes, you are healed. Take back your authority. Remember who your master is. So I've learned the hard way that trials are an invitation to trust God more. The fear that I face is an opportunity for me to grow in faith. I told the doctor, if you're telling me that this is all a result of anxiety... I'm going to battle it spiritually through my faith. She's like, I mean, okay, but, you know, I'm like, hey, if it doesn't work out, I'll come back and I can take some medicine. (laughs) But I'm going with God. Every time I had an anxious thought, I started praying out loud, God, I thank you that you're my master over all of my thoughts. And in Jesus' name, I command that thought to leave right now. Every time my heart started racing, beating so fast out of my chest, I put my hand there and said, you are trespassing on God's property. I am healed. I am whole. Jesus is my portion. What I had to do every single time anxiety tried to show up and take possession of my mind was serve notice to the enemy that I'm taking back my authority. That's point three. We must serve notice to the enemy that we're taking back the authority that God has given to us. In verse 31 and 32 of this passage, Jesus is saying, when you are anxious, when you give in to worry, you're believing a lie that I won't provide for you. You're believing a lie that I don't have it figured out. You're believing a lie that you can figure it out better than I can. That's what pagans and sinners and heathens do. Do you really want to give up the life that I've given you for the life that a pagan lives? You want to exchange your kingdom inheritance for hell? 
If you've ever watched a group of vultures feed, you know two things. Number one, they don't kill their prey because they are cowards. They find rotten, dead roadkill, and then they devour. They will not confront an animal. They will not take a deer down, but they'll sure eat it. Lies from the enemy are like vultures. They can't kill us, but we become prey when we allow negative, rotten thoughts to consume us. Those lies will dig deep down in our soul, and if we let them, they will make us give up our right to have dominion. The enemy loves to trespass in places that belong to God. It's one of his favorite pastimes. And the only way that he can gain access is through open gates of disobedience in our own lives. It's by our split attention, our lack of devotion to Jesus. And the enemy is watching every minute of every day, looking for a way in. Last year, my husband and I bought a large piece of land in Grant County, West Virginia. The man who owned it before us seemed to have a very hard time understanding that once ownership changed hands and the deed was now in our name, that he no longer had legal rights to use the land for his leisure. We posted keep out signs at every gate just like that. That's our front gate right there. I took that picture this past weekend. Private property, keep out. We posted signs that look like this next one. Private property, hunting, fishing, trapping, trespassing for any purpose is strictly forbidden. Violators will be prosecuted. We posted those on about every fifth tree on our entire property line. And still, this man didn't care. He did not care about the signs that we posted. All the hard work that we did. He did not care. So, we had to call the authorities to serve notice to this man that if he comes on our property again, he would be taken captive by the sheriff and made to obey. We had to let him know that the ground you used to occupy is no longer available to you because ownership has changed. Some of us in this room need to take back our rightful position as kingdom citizens under the lordship of master Jesus and remind the enemy that ownership of our headspace belongs to God. From the moment we became God's property through salvation, the enemy no longer has the right to occupy my headspace. Things have changed. And starting today, I'm posting keep out signs and no trespassing signs. You can't hunt me, trap me, hook me, or otherwise occupy the space around me. I serve notice to anxiety and worry. Get off my land. I'm taking back my God-given authority and I'm taking every thought captive. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Every thought. Take it captive and obey Christ. I remember when I was first... Figuring this out, I was probably about, I don't know, 26 years old. How many, any 26-year-olds in the room? Yeah, hands all over the room. I was 26 and I was like, okay, how do I take a thought captive? How do I actually do that? Okay, 
I don't really know. So I came up with this plan that every time a thought would come around to me <clears throat> that was a thought of anxiousness or worry or whatever, that I was going to literally like, grab, like pretend like it was there and like grab it and go, I take you captive in Jesus' name. And we're going to go right over here to this jail cell, and I'm going to put you in there and close the door, and now you're captive. Bye. <clears throat> like, I physically did that. And as I grew, you know, in the Lord, I learned how to do that internally, spiritually. But there's things that I had to say out loud. I take you captive. You must obey Jesus. You don't have to obey me, but you have to obey him. I'm a kingdom citizen, and you're trespassing. Get out. <clears throat> I'm seeking the kingdom first. I'm seeking the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. <clears throat> God's going to take care of the rest. Jesus says in verse 34, be concerned about today, today. In so many words, this is what Jesus says. We get a fresh 24-hour extended release dose of mercy every morning. Use today's mercy for today. And tomorrow's will be for tomorrow. <clears throat> you can't use today's mercy on next week or next year. You can only use it for today. Let tomorrow worry about tomorrow and you just win today. You win today by every minute, every moment, every hour. That's how you do it. <clears throat> As for the spiritual battle against anxiety, one, we got to remember who we serve. We live a singularly focused life turned toward God. We have to, number two, trust God. Pray and confess the word of God over our life. We see trials as an opportunity to grow our trust in the Lord. And we have to take back our authority. Seek first the kingdom of God every day. Not some days, not when you're feeling bad, every single day and take the thoughts captive, make them obey God. This battle, it's fought one day at a time, one hour at a time, one moment at a time. Just win today. How do you, how do you win this battle? Just win today. And when tomorrow comes, win tomorrow. And soon the pattern of victory or anxiety will be a normal part of your daily life. Now, if you're here tonight and you say, I've never made Jesus my master. I really didn't understand that I've been having this worry and anxiety because I'm not fully devoted to Jesus. I've never really made the decision to leave that master and cling to him. If you're in this room tonight, there's hope for you because Jesus is standing going, come on, come on. If you're in this room tonight and you say, man, anxiety's been trespassing all over my land and I've just been letting it. I want to take it back. I want God to be my God. I want the kingdom rulership to, have, to take residence in my life. If you're here tonight and you say, man, like I've heard all this before. And those are nice words, but I'm just like, I don't know if it works. I want to encourage you, wake up tomorrow morning and win the day. 
Don't worry about next week. You can win today. And I'm telling you that I've had moments in my life where I thought I couldn't win, where I didn't know if I was going to make it through the day. God is not a respecter of persons. His principles work. They work if you work them. And I plead with you, wake up tomorrow morning and win today. Don't allow the enemy to take what God has given you. Trust him. I want us to pray together. If you fit in the first group, you say, Jesus is not my master. I know it. I know it tonight. I know it now. He's not. I I thought he was, but my my attention is split. If that's you in this room tonight, with every, every head is bowed, would you let me know that by just lifting your hand or looking at me? I see you. I see you. I see you. Just pray this prayer with me. God, I'm so sorry for having a divided focus, for allowing my attention to be drawn away by other things, for living my way, for sinning against you, for thinking I have it under control when I really don't. I ask you, God, would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me tonight? Would you take me into your arms, reestablish my sonship, my daughtership in your kingdom? Help me to live a life that pleases you. Help me to resist the enemy. Help me to be yours forever. In Jesus' name. And with every head bowed and eyes still closed if you say tonight, if you're in that second group and you say, man, like worry's got me anxiety's got me would you let me know who you are I imagine that's going to be a lot of us in the room tonight would you let me know who you are, yeah it's, it's a lot of us, yep it's a lot of us, it's half the room tell the Lord I give you me I surrender again I give you my mind I give you my heart I surrender again Anxiety and fear, you are put on notice tonight that you can no longer occupy the space inside of between my two ears. 
You can no longer dwell inside the space of my soul because I am a kingdom son. I am a kingdom daughter, and he's the one who calls the shots. So I resist you, and I say you are evicted. Get off my land. And God, I thank you for coming right now and rushing to your sons and daughters and rushing into every space, God, that the enemy has come and trespassed on, Lord Jesus. I thank you for kicking out the squatters. I thank you tonight, God, that your kingdom is being reestablished in our hearts and in our lives even right now. And I rebuke anxiety and I rebuke fear and I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And I command you to leave the sons and daughters of the most high God alone. God, I thank you that you've given us tools that we can access and use against fear. And so God, we thank you for what you've done tonight. We thank you that you're a God that we can look to. We thank you that we're not alone. Woo. So again, we sing, Jaira, you are enough. Sing it out. Jaira, Jaira, you are enough. I'll be content. I will be content in every circumstance. Ooh, yeah, I will. Jaira, you are enough. I feel faith rising. Sing it out again. Jaira, Jaira, you are enough. You're enough for me, Jesus. Yeah, Jaira, you are enough. I will be content. I will be content in every circumstance. Jaira, you are enough. This is my favorite part. Let's sing it together. If he dresses, come on. If he dresses the lilies with beauty and splendor, how much more will he clothe you? How much more will he clothe you? If he watches over every sparrow, every sparrow. Woo. Woo. How much more? Sing if he dresses with beauty and splendor. How much more? Jaira, you're enough for us. Woo. We bless you in this place. We thank you for your freedom. Come on, let's thank the Lord for his freedom. We thank you for your freedom. Hallelujah, we thank you for your freedom.